It's not just the one place. <laughs> I have pain here. In my famous ass. It's not that bad, is it? Well, you can hear them, and you can you can see them a little bit. I mean, you know, fortunately, you know, you, you learn to play the ball. But I'm not going to say it was a, a total distraction, but it is a little annoying, maybe. No, I shouldn't have to change for any other circumstance. I like my hair. It's just things flying in the air that you're not supposed to be seeing. It's not that bad, is it? Hello, welcome back to The Body Serve. I am James. I'm Jonathan. And this is Wimbledon. Wimbledon. No, we've been given strict instructions not to say Wimbledon. It's been, have By you, whom? Everybody. Everybody's in the social medias, given history the media, lessons. social medias? Yeah, the social medias, multiple. Plural. I think that media is plural already. If people are saying Wimbledon, I can say social medias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was this... Twitter exchange between Chris Everett and Pam Shriver about how oh. it shouldn't be said. And Pam Shriver was telling people about the exact moment in time when she was given that lesson back in the late 70s. She said it was Don Budge. And he said, just remember, when you're thinking Wimbledon, think of my first name. It's Don, not Todd Wimble- or something oh, like that. Oh, it's Don. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you've totally missed this. This has been a thing. This Wimbledon cycle, people are uh, very uh, yeah. aware of the, the Wimbledon, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have missed it. Like, how did that become the way of the world? Because in America, we don't have any, like, towns that end in done. Oh my god. It doesn't make any sense. In America? (laughs) Like, when I started to visit your ass in Rochester, New York, I learned all about how y'all pronounce your stuff. Mm -hmm. Because you have towns named Chile that you pronounce Chile, and towns... Towns that are spelt Charlotte, and you pronounce it Shalot. A first, first of all, Shalot is barely a borough. It is not a town. <laughs> listen, it's a part of Rochester, the city. Listen, I am listen, I, Mister Canadian. I am sorry. We don't speak like Canadians. I will invoke my Jamaican heritage and British lineage. Mm-hmm. To tell you that I have a full grasp, the entirety of the grasp of the English language. Mm. And Shalot and <laughs> Chilai are nowhere in the correct vernacular. Okay? Oh, oh, really? Yes. Well, you would know that vernacular is common rather than official. If you knew everything about common English. Common parlance. <laughs> okay, is this supposed to be about tennis or not? <laughs> Welcome to Wimbledon. We were just with you three or four days ago. And you opined on your personal Twitter that it was one of the, probably the episode that we've gotten the most clapback for. Like, wow, we have talked about some controversial things. I assumed that people were more racist in general, but man, a lot of dudes out here really hate women. Like, a lot. Listen, (laughs) we had our first, or I say, but... We had the first black president before the first female president. True, true. But man, people were mad. People were trolling us left, right, and center about the McEnroe thing. All the way and from India. <laughs> yes, thank you. We have a global reach now. Maybe it's a function of our expanding reach. Have you thought about that? No, no. I think people literally search McEnroe on Twitter and then just say bitchy things to whoever is tweeting about it. Listen, I'm telling you, it's it's like a bat signal. Whenever one of these douche bros is in trouble, 
that red phone rings and they are out to defend them in force. It's true. And I've said that probably on the podcast before, but I then, you know, put two and two together and thought, my God, if these men went to bat for the women in their lives the way they did for these etc. men that they don't even know just to defend the fragile masculinity of the world. <laughs> like, where would we be as a, as a society? When I thought about it in those terms, I got really depressed. Mm. For me, I was engaging with trolls more than I ever have. Mm-hmm. I actually found it entertaining. So for some people, I would say something really rude and then block immediately. So I didn't see the response. And it gave me some satisfaction. And then other people I actually shamed into silence, which was new. I didn't know that was possible. But there were a few times I was able to be like, really? Like, I'm not doing this with you? So can you just leave? And they did. (laughs) A bit of news on our end. Previously, if you followed us, or followed my, in particular, Jonathan's writings on sportscribe.ca, you'd know that This Week in Tennis is a weekly feature where I recap the happenings in the tennis world through players' social media and news reports. There is a an amalgamation of tennis writing with links. There's a whole bunch of tennis podcasts. So it's the idea is that all you could need from tennis is in one spot. That website, sportscribe.ca, the domain has switched. And so there's a bit of synergy and <laughs> symmetry to the whole proceedings. Every- a bit of, I would say, horizontal integration. Oh my From goodness. a media perspective. Lord have his mercy. <laughs> and it is now thebodyserve.com. Yeah. We, we're getting that brand on fleek. Mm-hmm. So everything related to James and Jonathan, just search The Body Serve. You will find everything. Mm-hmm. And let that be a reminder as well that This Week in Tennis for this week is previewing all the Wimbledon stuff. So you'll be able to find a WTA preview as well as an ATP preview. TheBodyServe.com, check it out. And also, we're going to take this time, since we're plugging, to ask you if you haven't, if you've been thinking about doing it, haven't done it yet, give us a review on iTunes. And also, tell your friends. <laughs> tell your fr- If you've got a friend who plays casually or is interested in tennis, looking for podcasts, tell them about the BodyServe. And let me tell you, so many people that we did not expect were reached by this McEnroe shit. So a simple thing like that, you know, you run into somebody at the office and they're like, yo, John McEnroe was that, you know, I know these two fellas. They, they, they did the business. Go listen to them. Yeah, there were actually people in my office who were asking me about the Serena McEnroe thing. And I'm like, how do you know about that? And they're like... I read the news, <laughs> and it's just so rare that tennis gets on the news. Shall we get into the tennis? Yeah. I can't, well, first of all, I can't believe the next major is already here. So we're going to start with the men's draw first. Um, how do you want to do this? Do you just want to go through the draw and highlight the, you know, the things that jump out to you, or? Let's go through the quadrants. The, the quarters? Is quadrants incorrect? Technically, no. (laughs) But they're generally called quarters. Yeah, quarters work as well. And then we'll, you know, see who could be coming through those quarters, what the notable matches are. We'll talk about the the notable first-round matches as well. We'll start at the very top with Andy Murray. He who is reportedly carrying a hip injury. 
Yeah, so the the sun in the UK put a picture of Andy's they circled the body part and asked the British public to give Andy a handy. And I'm no. not sure that they I think that means something that they don't know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, after all this time, the British public is behind Andy Murray, unless he's playing Roger Federer. Do you remember how dirty that was in 2012 when he couldn't even get support at home because he was playing Federer and then lost? This is how universally loved Federer is. He is just the greatest. You don't really deserve to have a home champion when you're pining for one after 70-something years if you can't wholeheartedly get behind Murray, even if it's Federer. Like, dude already had, like, how many at that point? Five? Six? That's, That's ridiculous. But anyway... Andy Murray and his old lady hip is facing a a tricky draw. Uh, So his third round is Fonini, which, uh, you know, new dad. His second round is potentially Dustin Brown, provided he can get by João Souza, which you can never tell what Dustin Brown is going to do. He seems allergic to winning two or three matches in a row. Right. But he is the person who has the pedigree of having beaten Rafa at Wimbledon before. And has that grass game. I would say, like, this is a pretty typical Grand Slam draw for a number one player. I don't think it's crazy. There's Kyrgios or Puy in the fourth round, and Puy won, what is it, Stuttgart? He's a very good player on grass. He's a former quarterfinalist last year at Wimbledon. Kyrgios is, uh, I have no idea. Kyrgios Might is be carrying injured. injuries. Like, exactly, like... Really have no idea what to expect from him. So I don't think this is this isn't crazy for Murray. He unfortunately is coming in just in really terrible form. It's still the kind of draw where Murray can make a mountain out of a molehill in the early going, if he's so inclined. <laughs> right, but he is also, aside from Australia this year, is the kind of player who, I mean, does perform well at majors. He did okay at the French Open this year. Much better than at least I anticipated. He does, but he always seems to find at least one match earlier on where he just fudges things. Well, that's, I mean, that's fine as long as you don't lose. Yeah, but is he gonna, that's my point. (laughs) (laughs) Right. A a little challenge earlier on in the tournament is not necessarily a bad thing. And then he gets past the fourth round, potentially. He then has Stan or Songo. Perhaps, or Verdasco, or Sam Query. Mm-hmm. I would say, well, so l- why don't we talk a little about the seeding at Wimbledon? So the men follow a strict formula based on last year's grass results. From results from two years ago right. as well. So to me, the big, big loser is Stan Wawrinka here. Because he is actually ranked three and got pushed down to five in the grass court rankings. Absolument. And this is it basically his least favored surface he's the least likely to perform well at wimbledon of the four majors it's the last one in his potential career grand slam and he really got screwed here by the by the seeding formula wimbledon does what it does but the the thing that we kind of struggled with was well why are there two different rules for the men and the women and anna marseille one of our listeners pointed out that well this is something that the atp negotiated Mm -hmm. right and I appreciate that bit of information because I didn't realize that. So thank you, Anna. But I still don't understand why. <laughs> why was one tour allowed to negotiate or 
I mean, clearly the ATP is in a better negotiating position than and now. And we can see that with TV and streaming rights, the ATP is just better positioned to to make its case. Like it has a better bottom line, I imagine. I just don't get why. That said, the, w- the Wimbledon still reserves the right to adjust the women's seatings if it so chooses. Yes. So there's no formula. But they but still didn't. It even states- though, as we will point out later, they could very well have this year. Right. As far as on the women's side, the official policy is very clear that the committee can adjust the, the seatings if it sees fit. But generally it goes by the rankings. You digress. I Right. So, so Stan is in that, that quarter with Murray. Yeah, so Stan has got to get through this kind of minefield. Sanga in the round of 16, Sam Query. Also, he's got Daniel Medvedev in the first round, who is a big-time up-and-comer. Mm. That could be a tricky match. Who was match. just in the semis at Eastbourne, right? Mm-hmm. And played Djokovic. Tommy Haas in the second round, which doesn't necessarily present a danger, but that's absolutely a match to watch if it does happen, because mm-hmm. this is Tommy's final Wimbledon. Right. He was, you know, I forgot this. He was a semifinalist in 2009. I knew he had reached a semi, but I thought it was a long, long time ago. 2009, he lost to Roger Federer, who beat Roddick in that classic final. Mm. You're just full of information tonight. <laughs> that's, you know, that's what we're here for. In that bottom half of the top half. <laughs> mm-hmm, the second quarter. The second quarter. We've got Rafael Nadal, as well as... Marin Cilic as the two top seeds, the two top eight seeds. So Rafa's first two matches are very manageable, I think. there's He plays Millman in the first round, and in the second round he could play Donald Young or Dennis Istomin. I don't want to jinx myself here, but I don't see Istomin taking a huge upset again. Things get a little trickier when we get to the third round because there's Hatchinoff, and after that he would have to play the winner of possibly Karlovich and Muller. So Muller is kind of the one you don't want to see at this stage. He because he's essentially a, the premier grass court specialist on the ATP right now. Right. And he's on a crazy hot streak at the moment. He's got a lot of matches under his belt this grass court season. So he's the 16 seed, but kind of in name only. Right. <laughs> this is not someone you want to run into in the round of 16. But Rafa has said he just he needs to feel good in the first one or two matches, get through those, and he gains confidence right away. And I think someone like Nick Kyrgios can blast him off the court, but in the past, he's handled Karlovich well. He's, he's weathered that storm. And Karlovich is, what, 37 or 38 now? He's still playing well. He is, yeah. On but, hard courts, on grass courts. But I think if... Rafa gets comfortable on grass, wins two matches, he's got a good chance to get into the second week. I say mm, because I have no idea as to what to expect from Rafa on grass at this stage in his career. True. None whatsoever. I'm just content to watch it all play out. And then in the other part of that quarter, there's Nishikori, Steve Johnson, Marin Cilic. I mean, Cilic has got... For for a number seven seed, a pretty good draw. Yeah. Right? If you were to pick somewhat of a dark horse to make it to the finals from that half of the draw, I would pick Chilich. Yeah. Because his results have been improved in recent months, and he is a Grand Slam champion. 
and one would think and expect that his game would translate well to grass. Notable first round matches in that top half of the draw. Chilich plays Cole Schreiber. Yeah, and we haven't heard a lot from Cole Schreiber lately. He's ranked in the 50s, uh, but he does have a few match wins on grass at, at the German events at Stuttgart and Halle. And uh, he's he's always a threat on this surface. Tommy Haas plays Ruben Bebelmans in the first round, which is about as good as he could have hoped for to get a win at Wimbledon in his final year. Fernando Verdasco plays Kevin Anderson. This is a really sucky draw for Fernando. He's been playing well all year, pretty much. And Kevin Anderson is somebody who's had success at Wimbledon before and is playing better as well. I certainly hope I get to see Denis Shapovalov against Jerzy Janowicz. Mm-hmm. Thanks to our friend, our Polish friend Agnes, for teaching me how to say his first name. It's not Jersey. <laughs> we never said Jersey. We knew it wasn't Jersey, but we were definitely not close to Jerzy. And thanks for you for tutoring me through pronouncing that, because <laughs> you'd have only heard one take by the time this is edited, but it took three or four. <laughs> Yeah, Shapovalov uh, seems to have survived and weathered that hitting the umpire on the eyeball thing. Apparently they're friends now, and at least Twitter has totally forgiven him. Listen, he's only got a good two years before Felix Ogelizim unhinges his jaw and swallows him whole as the face of, and Rowledge for that matter, as the face of Canadian tennis. Because that dude is... On the come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear, I see a lot of people on Twitter saying Shapovalov is so hot. I'm like, that is a child. Y'all better How be, is he? y'all better be like 15. The people saying that <laughs> because that is a boy. I don't care how old he is in number. Mm. It's how he looks. Okay. Yeah. I shall neither affirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So men's bottom half. So Raunich is... He says he's injury-free. Raonic Limited Liability Corporation, or whatever the hell he is, <laughs> is off and running. It, it's ready. But he parted with Richard Krychek. He's got Mark Knowles recently. now, right? He's with Mark Knowles now. It's starting to feel like a bit of a coaching carousel at Raonic Inc. I don't know. I feel like the, the Canadian commentators that I've been seeing are not feeling super optimistic about Raonic's chances. He is the runner-up last year, lost to Andy Murray, but it's just, it's been tough for him managing his body, and uh, it's not been an ideal season for him. Yes. However, this is grass. And he is coming off, as you said, runner-up performance last year. Five set matches last a little over two hours on grass. It's nowhere near as taxing physically as other surfaces. Right. And his game is tailor-made for the grass. He's got one of the biggest serves in the game. And we've seen as far back as January 2016 that he's made big strides in his net game. Mm -hmm. Which leaves him best positioned to win that first title at Wimbledon. He beat Federer last year in the semifinals. That was no small feat. He did. He uh, lost meekly, you'd have to say, against Murray in the finals. Right. But, I mean, it was his first Grand Slam final. I'll give mm-hmm. you a little bit of a pass there. So I'm, I, d- I just don't understand why one would be so pessimistic about Raonic's chances. He's proven his pedigree at this point. If he is healthy, he should be looked at as, let's be frank, 
probably the fourth favorite, if not higher. What? I would really? look at him as a bigger favorite than Nadal at this tournament. Well, yeah. Yeah, I would say that. So there's Murray, there's Djokovic, Federer, not necessarily in that order, and then Raonic. Hmm. That's how I would look at it. I think, like, historically, yes, but this season, I'm not seeing it. I just don't... I mean, he lost to Kokonakis mm-hmm. last week or the week before in his first match on grass. Raonic would have to play either Sock or Sasha Zverev in the fourth round. And I think if Raonic is in form, I don't think that Zverev beats him yet. I think that Raonic's top form is still better. Yes, and I think what's holding Zverev back on grass is his movement. Mm. I don't think he's as comfortable on grass as he'd need to be to go deep in this tournament. We talked about, well, I did on the last episode, about how, yes, he's having these bursts of stunning, wonderful results, but not necessarily being able to translate them on a week-to-week basis or even backing up big wins within tournaments. There's still a bit of a learning curve, right. and I see the movement on grass as being one of them for him. We saw that that GIF last week where he collapsed at the net <laughs> trying to like get to a ball. Uh, well, this surface is very slippery, and we've already seen our fair share of nasty falls yes. recently. It's making me a little bit concerned, a little bit happy that Serena is not here to injure herself, because that just makes me nervous. But Serena moves incredibly well on the surface. As does Venus, but we're not. This is not what we're talking Serena's about. Serena's right not now. here, so we just. I just have to move on. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the other part of that quarter, that's Federer's. His third round opponent would be Misha Zverev, the other Zverev. On the other side, there's Dimitrov and Isner. Dimitrov, uh, Dimitrov is not going to beat him. I'm just gonna like. Not gonna be who Federer. Uh, yeah, if he gets that far. He just is too similar to Federer and is just does everything not as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't accept that comparison. Okay. Because somebody like Dimitrov can be qualified as such until he's not, until he, until he wins. Right. As for whether okay, this will well, be the time, I don't know. It's possible. Like, we've seen Grigor play really well. Yes, but when was the last time? Yeah, but like the way you present it is like, well, Grigor, this is, this is who Grigor is. As Federer light into infinity. <laughs> you know? Well, Federer has to retire sometime. And then he'll be the best version of Federer there is, right? If you insist on being <laughs> on that shady path, more power to you. I don't really see any terrors in Federer's draw. Until if he has to play Raonic or Zverev in the quarterfinals. Well, not even Zverev. Federer just bamboozled Zverev mm. in Hala. I'm just saying he has a tougher road and his 35-year-old self could use a few easy matches. And for me, I see those as easy matches. I'm not trying to be contrary here. Mm. But you Del- are. Delgapo hasn't done anything in forever. Oh, I'm not saying that that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, but go for it from round to round. Delgapo in the first round, then Tsitsipas in the second round, or Leovich. And then Misha Zverev, and then Isner Dimitrov in the fourth round. Like, that's, for me, for Federer on grass, is, it's like, hey girl. Mm. <laughs> to the bottom half, the fourth quadrant. We're still using quadrant? <laughs> the team has 
a bad, bad first round. Listen, I'm going to stop you right there because that is my pick for, what do you call it? A bold prediction. Bold prediction. That's my bold prediction. What? Pospisil will beat team and make it to the quarterfinals. Oh my God. I thought you were going to say like team was going to have a great run. And I'm like, girl, slow your roll. (laughs) (laughs) Team, meanwhile, just went down to Turkey to play at this grass tournament. I hope he got paid. Like, I hope there was a big appearance fee because he lost to the number 222nd ranked player in the world from India, a gentleman named Ramanathan. Uh, What the hell are you doing? And it was not even a close match. It was like 6-3-6-2. Did he just want like a vacation to Turkey? Perhaps. Uh, I mean, Dominic, we've been through this before. Like, I don't get you. I love you, but I really don't understand you. You'd love to get him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying I'm not expecting a whole lot from him at this tournament. Pospisil is a former quarterfinalist here. Also, Pospisil fell out of the top 100, had to take his ass to challengers, ITF events, far strong places all over the globe to get his ranking back up inside the top 100. And he's playing, well, no, he's made mm-hmm. it through qualifying in the last couple tournaments on grass. It's his best surface. This could be the comeback for Vashek. Yeah, I mean, he's as likely as anyone to make the quarters from that section. I guess, there. well, there's Gasquet, there's Burdich, both of whom play well on grass. Gasquet made it to the semis. Yeah, the semis mm-hmm. this week in Eastbourne, losing to Monfils. And he's made a so, semi at Wimbledon before, too. Yes, I think this is, this is probably a real opportunity for him. The other person in the who would be slotted into the third round is Paolo Lorenzi, who... Wow, I had no idea he was seated. I was shocked to see that name. And then in Djokovic's little section... This is a section of familiar faces for Djokovic. Because pretty much everybody that he's played multiple times in 2017 is here to Mm -hmm. tap him on the shoulder and say, Hey, buddy. (laughs) Del Potro played Djokovic in Acapulco, then Indian Wells in back-to-back weeks, and then again in Rome. While Djokovic won all those matches... Here he is again as a possible third-round opponent. They just cannot quit each other. <laughs> but after the the Olympics loss to Del Potro was a, a devastating loss to Djokovic, obviously. But he seems to have figured out Del Potro since. Two of the three of those matches were three-set matches. But Djokovic has gutted all three of them out. I would posit that this is an even more vulnerable Djokovic than he was at any of those other junctures that they played this year. I don't think that the fact that Djokovic has made at least the final possibly winning Eastbourne the week before Wimbledon means that he's in prime shape to just dust Del Potro and all comers at Wimbledon. I think he's still quite vulnerable and grass itself is a huge mitigating factor when considering who's going to do what in the next two weeks. The surface itself presents a lot of challenges and makes it all the more unpredictable, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, Djokovic has figured out this surface over the years, but to me, playing the week before a major, and I've said this a million times, is for a top player like him kind of a sign of desperation. I think he desperately needed preparation, he needed confidence, match play. I just... I get it, but I don't get it. Listen, Stan played the week before and won before the French Open. 
Yeah, but Stan and is the final. very unorthodox. And he plays like shit for most of the year. Whereas Djokovic is not that kind of player. To me, for a 12-time Grand Slam winner to play the week before a major, it comes off as a bit amateurish. As Aretha would sing with Michael McDonald, these are ever-changing times. Yeah, nobody knows <laughs> what you're talking about. People out there know. And I want you to, I want you to tweet us. If you get that tweet, if you get that song and that reference, tell me. I'm sorry, I do not fuck with Michael McDonald. Like, I hate his voice so much. Michael McDonald sang with Aretha, sang with Patty in the 80s. It's a fact of life. Yeah. You need to accept it. But I don't have to listen to it. These Are Ever-Changing Times is a great <laughs> jam, okay? Okay, all right. I'll stick with Donny Hathaway, thank you. I'm not going to argue with we, we I I'm I am not going to and I can't argue with you vis-a-vis Donny Hathaway and Michael McDonald. So that was very unfair for the record. <laughs> anyway, if Djokovic gets through Del Potro, look who's waiting for him, either Monfils or Feliciano Lopez. The other a big dark horse for this tournament, he won Queen's Club for the first time. So while you can look at Djokovic's quarterfinal opponents and say, wow, he got an easy draw. If the seeds he has to face are either team or British, that's no problem. You see what he has to go through to get there. It looks a little bit different. I'm so confused by the way you view the world right now, because I don't see how you can look at Djokovic's draw even in quarterfinals with those seeds and say he would have had potentially an easier draw than Federer. Like those are people he has no problem with, has never had a problem with team or Burdage. But where's the context? Has Federer had any trouble with any of those players before? No, you're right. Federer's probably going to win the whole thing. I'm just trying to make conflict because I don't want him to win. <laughs> Look, I, I get your point about Djokovic historically not having trouble with these players. But I think 2017 is a different... I don't know if we say this in America or whatever, but I know we said this back home. Mm. It's a different kettle of fish. Okay. Do you say that? I don't know. I can't even differentiate now between what you say and what oh. I say. Yeah, 2017 is just totally different for Djokovic. So we'll see what happens tomorrow when he plays Mofis in that final. Mm. We'll see what happens when if he has to play Lopez in that fourth round. Lopez is feeling himself, talking right. about how he's playing the best tennis, best tennis of his career, playing more aggressive than he ever has. And again, I think in on a surface where you can have 7 to 68 in a fifth set, anything can happen with somebody who has a big enough serve and enough game at net or on the ground to snatch a service game here or there from mm. somebody like Djokovic. You just never know. Speaking of snatching, I really hope that Borna Chorich snatches Ryan Harrison and drags him all the way back to oh Trump's America. God. I ain't going to disagree with you with Harrison that. Harrison is high on that doubles victory at the French Open. Let that be all. Have we not suffered enough in 2017? Let that be his one moment in time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, who would argue with seeing more of Chorich? You are very squarely on the Chorich train yeah. lately. Mm -hmm. uh, who isn't? No, but you weren't. No, I wasn't. Because he looked like a child. Again. <laughs> Some of y'all, I don't know. but Other notable first round matches. Taylor Fritz plays John Isner. Wow, Fr don't care <laughs> at all. Taylor Fritz was so excited to qualify. For this event, he was just feeling himself. Zverev, Misha Zverev, and Bernard Tomic 
really never know to expect from Tomic, but he has played well at Wimbledon before. Del Potro plays Kokonakis, which is probably the match that I'm most excited for in the first mm. round on the men's side. And that's that for the men. All right, so let's move on to the women. I feel like we are kind of back where we started before Roland Garros. Yes, but <laughs> right? I do want to issue this one disclaimer. In that, I'm at this point tired of the whole woman is wide open thing. And we've been part of that. I've been mm. part of that. It's an exciting time in women's tennis. We've got three big comebacks in women's tennis. Serena's being the fourth on the horizon. But Sharapova, fine, she's not here. You don't want her here. Okay. We've got Azarenka playing her second tournament back. She showed up in Mallorca ahead of schedule, won a match, and then lost meekly to Anaconya. Okay. And then we've got Petra, who miraculously has played two tournaments, won one of them. She won, what was it, Birmingham, Birmingham she won? Yeah. And Sloane Stevens yes, is back. Yes, Sloane is the third. Out of nowhere, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, Sloane Stevens, under the radar, is back at Wimbledon, who hasn't played since the Olympics last year. It seems just like yesterday she was walking on that bionic leg. Listen, I ran in, walked, well, not ran into, but I walked by her casually at the back end of Charleston, just doing some casual shopping at one of the, mm. one of the stalls. While everybody else was watching the action on the center court, she was out there, you know, returning some stuff with her shopping bag. <laughs> returning? <laughs> yeah. She, really? It seemed like she was returning. I'm really excited to have Sloane back. Yeah. And she she got kind of a rough first round in Allison Risk, she did. who is, as we said last week, kind of a grass court specialist. Mm -hmm. But Sloane back is just a, another interesting thing going on in women's mm -hmm. tennis. And the fact that there's 20 people who could win this tournament on the WTA side, right. rather than say it's wide open and like the tinge to that is always kind of derogatory. Maybe I just have a chip on my shoulder, but... But it is. Yes, Lo it's it's wide open, but the, I want to look at it with wide eyes, glass half full, endless possibilities. Like this is exciting for me. Okay. and But let's not forget too, like with the men and the women... Wimbledon is a tournament and grass being a surface that the winners have been fairly predictable over the last decade and a half. On the women's side, there have only been six women who have won Wimbledon since 2000. Serena has won seven times, Venus five, Kvitova two, and then there's Sharapova, Bartoli, and Moresmo. That's it. Over since the 2000? Since 2000. I'm okay with that. Yeah, Serena my... and Venus have won so many. Yeah, but my point is... You say, like, oh, my God, who's going to win? It's wide open. Like, we we know at Wimbledon that it's a very select few who have the, the pedigree and the, the history at this tournament. It, it requires a certain skill set. All right. And so if you look at that history, we're looking at Venus and we're looking at, at Petra. Unfortunately, they're drawn in, drawn in the same half. <laughs> but mm -hmm. on the men's side as well, there have been no winners outside of the big four since 2002. Since Leighton Hewitt won Wimbledon in 2002, it's been either Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, or Marty. Mm -hmm. So on both sides of the draws, it's been fairly predictable. My point in saying that is temper your prognostications, not you, but in general, for mm. this being a minefield. This ain't going to be Sabine Lissicki's tournament. Oh, but God. <laughs> let's hope not. Okay, let's approach it this way. 
So there are five women who could end this tournament as number one. Kerber, who is already number one and just cannot get rid of it. Halep, Pliskova, Svitolina, and Wozniacki. And why I bring this up as an illustration of why the tournament is wide open is because out of those five, I believe that one is in with a chance. Pliskova. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. The thing is, the 10 through 14 seeds... Venus, Petra, Kiki, Ostapenko, Muguruza. I would pick any one of them over almost anyone in the top ten. Pliskova is currently in the final against Wozniacki in Eastbourne, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know what? Look at Wozniacki. Wozniacki is playing surprisingly well on grass. This is not her favorite surface. She's had a very good year up to this point, so kudos to her. To doing that. She was not expected to make the quarters at the front. She did. She's never made the quarterfinals at Wimbledon in her career. Mm -hmm. Never. She's had five fourth round appearances, never made the quarterfinals. And Pliskova herself, her best performance is a second round. But we've said that this is no longer the Pliskova that we saw pre-US Open 2016. She made the final there, semis in Australia, quarters at the French Open. She's probably going to be in the second week at Wimbledon. At this point, her previous major results don't really matter that much because since her big breakthrough last summer, she's been consistently in the second week. Mm -hmm. And I know there's only been three majors since then, but it seems that she has asserted herself as a top player. And while she may not win, you can expect to see her in the quarters of the semis, I think. Do you know who I would also say has probably the second best chance of those five Hmm. to be number one after Wimbledon? Simona Halep. Yeah. The last time she made the finals of the French Open, she made the semifinals of Wimbledon. And she did that again this year, making the finals of the French Open. And she's coming off a quarterfinal last year at Wimbledon. Grass is not an issue for her. And yes, she has psychological issues when it comes to maybe (laughs) getting through tough matches and making it to the back end of tournaments. She can be her own worst enemy at times, put it that way. But she's playing well enough to to go far at Wimbledon. And not being able to beat Wozniacki in Eastbourne is not necessarily a bad thing because they were all playing 72,000 sets in two days. Right. At that tournament because of the rain. And that draw was loaded. Yes, it was. These top 10 players needed to get some matches in, clearly. And she got them on grass. Mm-hmm. So many of these players are coming to one tournament leading up to Wimbledon and hoping to get a few matches. And even though she didn't make the semifinals there in Eastbourne, she still got a couple of matches under her belt. Top of the women's yeah. draw. Why don't we start with the draw? Kerber. I don't think we need to reiterate, this is a terrible year for her. She has won two matches on grass now in Eastbourne, lost to Kanta after Kanta nearly took her own head off. Having that horrible... No, I'm not. I'm actually not making fun. Because that was a... I watched the fall and it was a horrible... You need to... We're not even going to wait for the next episode. You need to retract that (laughs) right now. (laughs) No, I really feel very badly for Kanta and we'll get to her in a little while. But she may not even play this tournament. No, she's got a a thoracic spine injury. So Kanta did manage to win two more points and beat Kerber... At that tournament, which really sucks for Angie, really just cannot catch a break. But she would have Safajeva in the third round, who has been 
getting her act together this year. She's, I mean, obviously a doubles superstar, but she made the semis in two straight grass events in Nottingham and Birmingham. So I expect her to play well at this tournament, and that's not somebody that Kerber needs to see in the third round. And if she gets past her in the third round, she potentially has Muguruza in the fourth round. Yeah, former finalist here. Sam Sumik is not going to be at Wimbledon with Muguruza. Do we know why? Uh, family issues. And so Conchita Martinez will be in her yeah, box. a fellow Spaniard. And to be honest, I think this can only be a good thing for Garbina. I have personally not liked the interactions between her and Sam Sumik that I've seen recently. I'm not sure that their relationship is... Well, I don't know their relationship, but the optics that I see don't really seem that healthy or positive to me. And they might love each other and get along wonderfully, but there have been some really gross things with on-court coaching and her crying and him refusing to come on the court to coach her and... Oh, I just... I don't like it. Maybe she just... she needs a different look. One would say that Wimbledon would be the tournament for Radwanska to string a few matches together, but that would mean her doing something she hasn't done all year. Yeah. Winning back-to-back matches. She's won 11 matches all year. And she gets Yelena Yankovic in the first round. (laughs) Why? (laughs) That is a throwback. Look, Yelena looked stunning at the WTA party for Wimbledon. Her get-up was A-plus amazing. And I can only hope that that spurs her forward. Because I'm not really here for this being possibly Yelena's final year. The way it's been going. Yeah, we're not ready for it. No, I need her to have a moment. Soon. Yeah, and I think she probably wants to be out here without Ivanovich. <laughs> she wants to be the head Serb bitch in charge. Oh, the HSBIC? Yeah. <laughs> So that little section is totally wide open. Radwanska is a big, big question mark. Tamea Baczynski would be her third round opponent. Lauren Davis is a seed in that section, as well as Kuznetsova. There's Makarova in... uh, I guess Kuznetsova could play her in the second round. Honestly, anybody could get through. I would would vote for Kuznetsova, personally. On paper and on talent, it's Kuznetsova. Yeah. But... In likelihood, it's probably Makarovo in that quarterfinal. Yeah. And as you wrote in your uh, in your WTA preview for this tournament, it's been a long time since Kuznetsova has, what, made the second week here? Made the, or quarterfinals. the quarterfinals. She made the fourth round last year, but it's been since 2007 since she's made the quarterfinals. She did it three times, 2003, 2005, 2007. Mm. And so that doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence. Right. Or you could see somebody like Lauren Davis. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could. You could. In the second quadrant, I'm sticking to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> there is a Pliskova at the top of it, and then Wozniacki at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And those two are again playing in the final of Eastbourne. Much like Djokovic and Mofis playing in the final of Eastbourne yes. as well. In the same quadrant. For me, Pliskova is a possible winner here. Is probably the best bet to get to the semis out of this quarter. I think of all the top players on the women's side, she has the easiest draw. I would agree. Zhang is her third round. Gavrilova or Pavlyuchenkova, who were doubles partners, uh, is the fourth round. And Wozniacki's part is a little bit harder. There's 
Kazatkina, or more likely, I think, Kantavite in the third round. Mm-hmm. On the other side, there's Colleen and Kiki Mladenovic. Listen, I am here for that third round match, and I'm here for Kiki doing the business. Because let me tell you, listen, if there's one person who will not back down from a fight, it's Kiki Mladenovic. <laughs> and I do not need to have Coco Vanderway making the final. Oh, perish the thought. Especially not with that douchebag coach of hers. It's a possibility. We know her grass court pedigree. Do we, though? We do. She's a quarterfinalist at Wimbledon. She's won one of the the lead-up tournaments before, I believe. She has, yes. I remember seeing her with that big head and a big trophy together somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Which is one with a massive, massive cup. I don't know. I've seen her with it before. I don't know. But you think that, okay, fine, Wozniacki could do this, but she's got a tough draw. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Pliskova is potentially just coasting in that same quarter. Interesting fact, Wozniacki was not even seated last year. No. And she unfortunately drew Kuznetsova in the first round and lost. And here she is, seated number five. Look, Wozniacki has been the most consistent WTA player bar none since the US Open last year. Mm-hmm. She has. There's just no two ways about it. Week in, week out, while she hasn't been winning tournaments, she's been making the the back end all yeah. day, every day. And she's made finals of big tournaments. Of Doha, Dubai, Dubai Doha. Miami. She lost to the eventual champion in the quarterfinals at Roland Garros. She might be feeling herself coming off her swimsuit appearance, her body issue appearance. <laughs> she's She's of a higher profile mm. this year. We should Which mention, I think she relishes. We should mention that she might have to play Pironkova in the second round. Pironkova, who's out here teaching the children how to play on grass. Year in and year out. Teaching the children how to snatch a victory here or there <laughs> throughout a career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bottom line for me with that top half, anything goes. Which is not the same as wide open. Oh, okay. I feel like that's a semantic difference. It means that there are a lot of possibilities, so many of them exciting, save for Colleen winning Mm. and making it to the final. Agreed? Okay. In the bottom half, this is where shit gets good, because Venus is in that third quadrant, and it's, it's doable. That said, I she might have to steal herself, because she's got the feds coming for her... She's got lawsuits flying left, right, and center. I don't know what that's like to approach a tournament of this magnitude, knowing that there are going to be people in that press room asking you about this coming up. Right? It's going to be John McEnroe Mm -hmm. having to deal with that for everybody, which Venus will as well, and then having to deal with this traffic accident, which, if you do not know, Venus was involved in a traffic accident whereby the person who was involved in in the accident with her. The cars collided. The wife was seriously injured and the husband died two weeks later. Mm -hmm. And so now the daughter of the couple is filing a wrongful death lawsuit against Venus. We won't get into the the details of that situation because it's still murky and probably a little bit irresponsible for us to opine. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like we've got many different versions of the accident. Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly what happened Maybe there's some red light camera footage somewhere, but for now, it's really not clear what happened. And I don't want to say poor Venus because really, poor that family. Somebody's dead. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on. We'll just have to see how it it plays out. 
I just hope that this doesn't affect her tennis too much mm. in the next next couple weeks. Because we'll remind you, Venus is the only WTA player to make the second week of each of the last five slams. And she's done it in seven of the last eight. The only exception being the 2016 Australian Open. So if history, recent history is something to go by, we should expect Venus to be playing come week two. Right. Who are the big barriers? It's not Dominika Sibokova, because she's had a wretched year, mm-hmm. struggling with injury, fine. But she played three warm-ups and lost in the first round of all of them for Wimbledon. Mm. It's uh, it's just not going well for her right now. I she think... draws Andrea Petkovic in the first round. That might be a good opportunity for Petkovic to get her season off the mat. Mm. <laughs> because... <laughs> Save for her appearance in Racket Magazine, which was wonderful. It's been a bit of a, a struggle. Anna Kanya is probably a more likely candidate to get to the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Venus might have to play Streets of in the third round. Or Naomi Osaka. True. I think the the other part of that quarter is a little more interesting to me, because you have Roland Garros champion Yelena Ostapenko, who is a former junior champion at Wimbledon in 2014. And it seems like her game would be well-suited to the surface. Probably, (laughs) at first, look better than it was suited to clay. But, really, what do I know? Francoise Abanda qualified. She plays Kuruminara in the first round, and she has a chance to win a Grand Slam match here and get her professional career going. Mm -hmm. Where she'd potentially meet Ostapenga in the second round. That would be fun. Also, Wimbledon, what the F... WTF are you doing tweeting out stuff where you're using Francoise Abanda's picture and saying it's Sasha Vickery? <laughs> like, what? Why is that so hard? And then you have, to, and then Francoise out here on Twitter dragging Wimbledon. Mm. Did you see that? Well, as they should. Yeah, she's like, anybody notice what's wrong here? Mm-hmm. It's headline about Vickery and it's Francoise's face. Yeah, it's so embarrassing because they're both black. That is exactly what it is. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> and there are really not that many black tennis players. No. Just learn them. Madison Keys, you'd say, is a, a candidate to get through to that quarterfinal, but she's really done nothing since coming back from injury. Yeah. Have no idea. Uh, I would even put Camila Georgie in kind of with a shot yes, there. Absolutely. And Mirjana Lucic Baroni yep. hasn't done anything on grass. Right. We were going in different directions. There. Oh, oh! You were like, "Yep, yep, yep, Mariana," and I'm well, like, "Well, I'm just saying, uh, you you don't know what to expect from her. She has I, the game, I guess. I just would be surprised." And it was the sight of her big breakout, mm-hmm. her coming out way back then. She also has Karina Witteft in the first round, which is unfortunate for her. In that same section, Francesca Schiavoni, she plays Manda Manello, which is a nice draw for her in her final Wimbledon. Mm. And then there's Elena Svitolina, who we still don't know she's going to be playing. Yeah, she's got a heel injury. Uh, She's been talking about she's not exactly sure if she's going to play. She's trying to take care of her body for the rest of the season. So, if she does choose to play and she's injured, Ashley Barty has a really good chance to make a statement here. If she were playing and fully healthy and at the top of her game, Ashley Barty would still have been the most unfortunate first round draw yeah, of anybody true. in this in this women's mm-hmm. section, in this woman's tournament. Barty's up to fifty three in the world. She's made a quarterfinal in the lead up. She lost in the final to Kvitova in Birmingham. Birmingham. 
And this is not the first time we've seen her show some pedigree on grass. Like this young woman is bursting to break through. And I hope it's not just with her and Casey in the doubles because they are a favorite to win the tournament. Yeah. But I would love to see her win that match actually and go deep. In the final quadrant. Well, there is Joanna Conta who may not play. As we said, she suffered a thoracic spine injury. She's being very careful. At first, she didn't think it was that big a deal. And then she was really unable to sleep that night because she was in so much pain. I... She's definitely questionable. for this. By the time we, we go to air, she may have already pulled out, honestly. Which is so unfortunate for her. It is. I was on Twitter when it happened, and everybody was freaking out. I wasn't watching the match, but I was following on Twitter, and people were like, oh my god, what just happened? What just happened? Joe, no! All that stuff. Mm. And then what seemed like forever of her getting treatment in Twitter time, she came back and she won the final two points and won the match. And then afterward, in press, it, you know, people were asking her, what's up, what's up, what's up? And she's like, well... We ruled out a concussion, and so I'm I'm happy. It's just a, a hit on the head. And then the following yeah, day now, we find realize. out that it's a back injury, a potentially fairly serious back injury, to keep her out of this tournament. Part of why it's very disappointing for her is A, it's her home slam. B, the British press has been doing the most to trump her up. Like, if she were a Chinese player, there's no way she'd be top four favored to win this tournament, mm. right? But she's also done well in the lead-up tournaments she's played three of them she's looked good yeah she's well she's really put in work she's played three tournaments in england she was the runner-up in nottingham to vekic and then she reached the semifinals this week in eastbourne and had to pull out because it could have been better she could have won it but she had to issue the walkover but with her out i mean (laughs) potentially if she is out petra kudova has a really kind of a cakewalk. And for what she's been through, old girl deserves a cakewalk. That's not a bad thing, right? Old, old girl. <laughs> <laughs> she she would have Garcia in the third round. Listen, Roberta Vinci is still out there. She's still kicking. She's a seed. And she wouldn't, would be the seeded third round opponent for Kanta. Wouldn't she be the one to fuck up Kvitova's life <laughs> right. at this tournament? right. She is primed to spoil the party. Mm. Now, the other side is interesting because Azarenka is there. She drew Catherine Bellis in the first round, I which is very she goes intriguing. By CC. Uh, well, it says Catherine here, and I'm, I guarantee she'll be referred to as Miss Catherine Bellis. <laughs> yeah, that's save for Svidlina and Barty. That was the other first round matchup that was like. Wow, that sucks. Because Bellis may play sporadically on tour, but it seems like whenever she does play, whenever she do play lately, Mm -hmm. she's been winning matches. Yeah, but this is Victoria Azarenka. She knows how to compete at majors. She does. This was also Victoria Azarenka who lost to Kanye in quick fashion and also who is just on the comeback from having a child. Yeah. We, I don't know if I said this on the last podcast, but we really need to temper our expectations. We did. We talked about that. We did, yes. We need to temper the expectations. And so I wouldn't be surprised if CC won or if Victoria won, but I certainly do not expect Victoria to come through that section. All right. I am I'm hoping she does. What is your bold prediction? We're down there through oh. these draws. Oh. And you, 
Have we not hit the player who is your bold prediction yet? We have, yeah. When? My okay, you want to do it now? Yeah. My bold prediction champion is the one whose coach is not with her. Muguruza wins. Oh, that's my bold prediction. I think it's she not really bold. It is pretty bold. Have you seen her year? Yeah, she's also a French Open champion and a Wimbledon finalist last year. Two years ago. Two years ago, or whatever. Yeah, I think it's pretty bold. Okay. I'm just surprised to hear her name come out your mouth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think she's she's going to find the magic again at Wimbledon. And in that last little bit of that quadrant, there's Elena Viznino, who quite literally has done nothing since winning Indian Wells. Seriously. Like. No, she's done absolutely nothing. But she was a semifinalist last year. So I, you have to mention her. Sevastova is the other one who is the big challenge to Halep getting through to potentially meet Kantar Kvitova in the quarterfinals. Mm. Anything else to add? I, I have no predictions as far as winners. I don't have any. Maybe we can do that in our mid-Wimbledon episode. All right. What's your bold prediction, though? I it's told you. Pospisil. Pospisil. Oh. Making the quarters. Oh, okay. All right. Beating team in the first round and making the quarters. Before we leave, a couple of etceteras. We didn't mention that ridiculous story on Dan Evans' last episode in our Girl Buy segment. The one where the British press, was well, some dude named Oliver or something, was, was positioning Dan Evans as a working class hero. The working class hero that tennis needs. Mm. And I scarcely have laughed as loudly and as heartily as when I read that. Because don't nobody. It was um, so sad. And embarrassing. Like, I just don't know how that got through the editing process. Like, the man phone rung, and that was your response? <laughs> right. It was That's just... the best you could do for him? But it was just so insulting to, like, white... Like, good old white trash. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was just... Uh, I don't... There was one phrase that I took particular issue with. It was Dan's supposed, quote, precious artlessness. As if... A working class person has to be simple and stupid and uncultured and, and without guile, right? Like, yeah, it, it's this this sort of fantastical idea of the the proletariat as innocent and uh, mm -hmm. as something <laughs> untouched by greed or, it, or it just, also without agency, right? It was just just wrong in so many ways, and I clearly tinged with race and and you can't help but wonder about the people who would never get that benefit mm -hmm. who the woman who could never be considered working class heroes set because aside, of what they look like set aside race but just women how many women would get that kind of defense right, right. and then you add well how many black people would get that defense uh, like would nick curio is nick curios a working class hero of australia i i don't know uh, and are you evaluating the household income of the parents like i just i don't what get is it. your definition of working class it, <laughs> i don't know and finally we mentioned it while going through the draws we'll be bidding farewell to tommy haas and francesca schiavone two stalwarts of the atp and wta tours respectively and soak it all in folks one's 39 one's 36 like this is pretty pretty special I'm all talked out. Are you? Mm. Um, one more thing. If you do need a reason to drink, which I don't, uh, <laughs> Wimbledon drinking game 
every time a player gets asked about McEnroe and whether we should compare men's and women's tennis, take a drink. You might die after the first day. My guess is that all 32 seeds in both draws will be asked this entirely inane question. Because you know much ink will be spilled about this over this tournament, unfortunately. It's an easy sell, right? Yeah, definitely easy. Certainly not We've set our piece on McEnroe, and we're at the point where we just want it to go away and not have him get any more press or sell any more books, right? That's Mm. So as much as this can be avoided at Wimbledon, I don't think it's newsworthy. I think people have said all that needs to be said. Pieces have been written. Let's just let it die. On that note, rest up. Wimbledon starts very, very soon. We have the day off on Monday, Mm -hmm. so we're going to be watching opening day. It is Canada Day uh, Part 2, because the real Canada Day is Saturday, but we get a free holiday on Monday, too. Celebrating 150 years. Yes, as a semi-independent country. (laughs) Still under the auspices of one (laughs) Queen Elizabeth II. Yes. 150th year since Confederation. That's what they call it here. You can find us on Twitter. I'm Jonathan at tennis underscore John. And I'm James at Elliot JMR. Two L's, two T's. The podcast is on Twitter at The Body Serve. Our Instagram is The Body Serve. And our website is TheBodyServe.com. Wow. Till next time.